3: Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com.
2: I wasn't ready for you to throw that in my face. Hello, ladies and gents. Welcome back to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast, brought to you by MyFFPC. My name is Dan Sanio, at FF Dynasty Dan on Twitter. I'm back after missing a week. Also back after missing a week is my greatest of pals, Mr. Nathan Powell. Nathan, how are you today? I'm doing great, Dan. Um,
1: you know, it feels really good to, to get paid to do absolutely nothing. And that was us last week. (laughs) We did nothing. We didn't plan it. We didn't do it. And uh, we're still going to get that paycheck. So, wow. (laughs) Uh, And and of course, Justin is hearing this right now. He had to, you know, do the show and edit, but I I will, I will say Justin great job on his uh, podcasting debut. And uh, of course, thanks to Eric for holding down the fort for a week.
2: Bring back the seasoned veteran uh, to, to run it through with the rookie. It, uh, it definitely was a good one. I uh I don't usually listen to us talk but that one was one I had to listen to so I'm very very grateful that Eric was able to come back and spend one more day with us as a true host hopefully we get to see him more a little bit more regularly well I don't know how all of that's going to balance but always good to hear his voice on this channel so uh today we are going to be talking a little bit about value and specifically about certain teams teams that have kind of players that are undervalued in bad offenses or perceived bad offenses, and then players that are overvalued in perceived good offenses. Obviously for the most part, these are all going to be pretty cut and dry as far as good offenses, bad offenses. Um, but I feel like there might be even a couple of surprises in here. Like a couple of the quote unquote bad offenses could kind of turn some heads and be at least mediocre. And most of those good ones that we do have listed today are going to be um, I can't really imagine them, any of them being bad. So that's kind of how we will go with the flow today. But before we get there, I just want to remind everybody about the listeners only 10% discount for the NFL pass through the RotoViz podcast homepage. That's rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our premium NFL content. And best of all, it helps support Nathan, Mickey. You know, he's here for that paycheck. So you got to keep getting those subs through so Nathan can eat. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, g- got to pay for the move to Virginia somehow. <laughs> that is exactly right. And part of that uh, subscription area now, uh, just to say thanks, RotoViz is giving away an NFL pass. Yeah, you heard that right. A free NFL pass. All you have to do to enter is subscribe and rate the RotoViz Radio channel on your itunes or favorite podcast player so again we always ask for it at the end of shows but doing us a solid hitting that rate button you know give leave it a nice a nice little message saying, saying how great we are how horrible we are don't say how horrible we are it, it hurts nathan really really badly i mean he he cries at night reading negative reviews which we don't have many of but the ones that do I, they feel pretty personal so you know, try try to take it easy on us a little bit. And another good part is each road of this podcast that you rate and review counts as an entry. So going through, going up and down the list, every single one of them, rate it, review it. We really appreciate the honest feedback. And even if it's just feedback to get in for the entry, uh, obviously we just want to kind of keep spreading the word about all of these podcasts and, and getting the name out there. So the more reviews, the more chances you have to win. And another cool thing is if you already have a sub, it'll add on to the back end of it. So there's really no reason for you not to enter the contest. So again, just get in, rate, review. Uh, the winner will be announced on upcoming shows. So get in there again on iTunes or any of your platforms and send us some feedback. We appreciate it. Okay, uh, so now with all of that out of the way, we are going to hop into the undervalued portion of the value show. And we are going to start off with the New York football Jets not the Giants the Jets so kind of pretty I wouldn't say it's like bound to be uh, an either undervalued or bad offense but the parts aren't really all there quite yet obviously Sam Darnold coming into his second year and started to get better at the end of last year so that part of the offense is looking a little bit better the wide receiver core still who knows what Um, but they did bring in Le'Veon Bell which is pretty massive when you can get an elite runner, uh, an elite pass catcher in one position. So I feel like if there is one constant in the offense, it's going to be Le'Veon. But as far as undervalued players, I feel like it has to be a wide receiver. Uh, I don't know if you feel differently about it, Nathan, but the person I wrote down for our undervalued portion is Jamison Crowder. He had a couple of solid years with Washington and kind of had the injury bug a little bit and then kind of was phased out a little bit. Now, Obviously, in that Gase offense, we can say, hey, it's going to be the Landry role. I'm not really sure we're ever going to see that again in a Gase offense, but I feel like Crowder really can do some damage from the slot. And he is actually a solid wide receiver. Uh, The other option here was probably Robbie Anderson, but I feel like Crowder is just so inexpensive and almost getting to the point where he's one of those end of roster kind of guys that he's that cheap and you can just get him for nothing. And I feel like he's going to produce. So Nathan, how do you feel about the undervalued players on the jets?
1: Yeah, for me, Robbie Anderson is one of those players that if you were to pull all of the, uh, players who have Robbie Anderson on their rosters and ask them what they, they think he's worth in a draft pick versus the people who don't have Robbie Anderson on a roster and what they think he's worth in a draft pick. I think you get two very different answers. People who are Robbie Anderson owners, guys who have him on rosters would probably say he's worth around an early second round pick. Whereas people who don't have Robbie Anderson on rosters are probably would probably say a late second, maybe a mid second on a good day. So I think that his range of outcomes, as far as a, a value or, or valuation does, you know have a bit of a, a wide range one guy who i think is pretty much undervalued by everybody is jameson crowder I, I mean i he's a guy not i didn't even think about when we were talking about bad offenses obviously i put jet, the jets on the list and they they could be one of the one of the examples on this list of a team that goes from a bad offense in twenty eighteen and turns into a good offense in twenty nineteen because that's just how NFL offenses go. They they go as the quarterback goes. Darnold had, had struggled in his rookie year, but he could very easily had, have a have a good sophomore year and you know turn the Jets in from a you know a bottom five bottom six offense to at least a middle tier offense. That maybe they need to add. Obviously, they added Le'Veon Bell. That'll help uh, you know Darnold and the offense as a whole. I think they'll end up adding receivers later on, but for this year, I do think Crowder is a, a strong, a strong buy, a strong guy to have in your lineup as you know, wide receiver four, wide receiver five. Crowder a guy who first three first three years of his career you're counting on for sixty sixty five catches, and I think he can definitely have that type of role with the Jets. Um, and and if, when people talk about Anunwa or or Crowder, I would prefer Crowder because I think that he will get more of the volume in that you know slot role.
2: Yeah, Anunwa's another guy that that was kind of on my list for. Um, for some players, but it's going to end up being whichever wide receiver is probably drawing the most volume. Obviously we're expecting Le'Veon Bell to have, you know, a a top eight to 10 RB season. I would imagine it's probably going to be probably four top four or five, just because of how much they're most mostly going to use him. He's going to be that safety valve, whether it's running the ball or catching it out of the backfield for, for Darnold. And uh, I think Chris Herndon's probably due for a pretty solid season. And I think, Crowder and maybe a Noon would fit in nicely again as those safety valve type guys, not necessarily dump off type throws, but the easier throws to make the slants, the crosses, all that kind of stuff. Whereas Robbie's going to be more down the field. And we did see some success in, in Gase's offense down the field a little bit with a guy like Kenny Stills uh, when he was in Miami, or he's still in Miami, but when Gase was in Miami. So I feel like the down the field play, assuming Darnold's, you know, they they kind of open it up a little bit more for him as he gets more comfortable and, and offense kind of comes a little more naturally to him. But I feel like more of the intermediate and underneath stuff is probably going to be most suitable and best for the offense just to kind of keep them moving along. So any of those guys that fit into those roles, uh, I feel like whoever gets that volume is really going to be, end up being a, a nice value for whoever from this offense. So if you're looking for, for someone from the Jets I feel like really any of the wide receivers can be had for a, a palatable price and you know at that point it's kind of worth the potential upside even though the floor may be pretty low uh especially a none one crowder and then obviously Bell's going to be your high end piece uh so let's move on to the next offense uh in our bad offense category some undervalued players, Nathan, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I know Eric would be so proud of me for not saying Jaguars. <laughs> uh, who are you kind of feeling here for, for some, for a targeted asset that's maybe a little bit undervalued? Yeah.
1: So often when you have a guy that you end up acquiring a bunch, whether it be, you know, because you really liked him as a rookie or you liked him post draft and in, in rookie drafts when they struggle in year one and their price gets even cheaper, You tend to try and even acquire even more shares or just become that much more dead set on, you know, him being worth what, you know, what he's currently being drafted as DJ Chark is being drafted at wide receiver 92. That is a very, very low cost for a player who was a second round NFL draft pick, 61st overall to the Jaguars in 2018 draft, 6'4", 198 pounds. And he's a deep threat, uh, 17.9 yards per catch in his uh, uh, junior year and 21.9 yards per catch in his senior year over at LSU. So, yes, it was a bit of a dis- disappointing season. I, some of the metrics had him as one of the worst wide receivers in the NFL last year, but at wide receiver 94, 222.1 uh, average overall, that's a price that pretty much you would take any day two wide receiver a year after their draft date at that price.
2: You also have to add a little context as far as who is throwing him the ball and the type of offense that was being run. And obviously with Nick Foles being in there now, uh, we watch what he can do in Philly throwing the ball down the field and, and Chark fits that bill, like you said, absolutely beautifully. So I do like Chark as as a buy because he's, I mean, he really is super undervalued for a second round rookie pick. And you know, once we get into next year, maybe that that draft capital starts to wear off a little bit, and now we actually worry about the player itself. But for now, I think draft capital is still relatively important. And another guy that I really think is he he's approaching being properly valued, but I still think flies under the radar just because he's in Jacksonville and in the stigma with that offense um and that's DD Westbrook. He was one of my favorites coming out and I feel like he he did a lot of really good things especially last year. But it, again, because of the offense, because of who's throwing him the ball, it's kind of hard to to really stand out. Now last year he did have 100 targets which was kind of it feels like a lot more than he he got, but that's again the uh, part of the offense. Ended up with like 700 yards, five touchdowns. I feel like those numbers are very easily attainable. So you're looking in that 60 to 65 catch range. I feel like the yards per catch is going to go up. I mean, pretty pretty good at least. He only caught I mean, 10, 10 yards per catch or something like that last year. So I feel like that can definitely go up. I feel like the catch numbers can stay relatively constant, and I feel like the touchdown numbers can could probably go up with you know the four or the five he had last year. Uh, I feel like that could easily, very easily be eight, especially with Foles back there, just kind of flinging it around. So uh, I do like DeeDee. I feel like he's kind of in that, uh, you know, we just talked a little bit about Robbie Anderson. I feel like he's probably close to that range for value. Uh, But I feel like, you know, by mid season, he very easily could be worth a mid to late first, assuming that he starts to produce and, and clicks with Foles. But again, with this offense, it's not like a high powered offense. Yeah. You have Leonard Fournette back there and, you know, he's just going to pound the rock. I would assume for 12 games, like 600 times until he's inevitably hurt. And then you've got a whole slew of wide receivers that you really don't know what to expect. You know, you do have DJ Chark, you have D.D. Westbrook, you have Marquise Lee coming back and, and then you bring in, you know, the, the, I think Josh Oliver is their rookie tight end. And there's just kind of a lot of unknowns in the offense. So a lot like the Jets, I feel like the buy here is at the wide receiver position. And it's basically wherever you can find that value. So DJ Chark is kind of like your Jameson Crowder in the last with the Jets, where he's almost approaching that end of roster guy. And he really shouldn't be. He's one of those guys like, I mean, we just talked about, he's a second round NFL draft pick and his value only went down because of a the offense and B how he was used. So uh, I feel like he grows. I feel like D D just uh, the third year breakout. Uh, I know it's talked about quite a bit, but I feel like he's definitely a contender for for a legitimate third year breakout, pushing that thousand yard barrier, assuming he's getting the targets to do so. So, uh, uh, do you have anything else with Jacksonville? Yeah. I
1: mean, the one thing to hit on, obviously we talked about a number of lower value players. I know DD is approaching top 100 pick, but the, the, the premier asset on the Jaguars is Leonard Fournette, whether he has the injury, injury concerns or not, but there was some, some positive news that came out of the, the latest mini, the mandatory mini camp. It was that he weighed in at 223 pounds, uh, which he said was the skinniest he's weighed in at since he was a senior in high school. So uh, for people who worried about him being too slow uh, and, you know, just constantly, you know, getting tackled in the backfield, hopefully being slimmed down to that 223. There was a picture. It was the opposite effect of the Eddie Lacey picture. It, <laughs> the picture made him look like he was like 195. and was like, whoa, that looks like a guy who can catch 30 to, f- 30 to 40 balls in a season.
2: Definitely. Yeah, it should help his explosiveness. And uh, if you are in search of a running back or a higher end asset and you've, you've got the capital to spend, you know, Lenny's starting to get to that point where he's his value is a little bit more palatable uh, as we get closer to the season. I think we see that that value continue to rise, and especially once he's on the field and and being used, he'll start to get back to that probably pretty high price. So I think this is probably your final window to buy Fournette until the inevitable injury. But with the weight being shed and and if he can kind of control that, I mean that's that's kind of a big big deal because. That should help him stay on the field a little bit more. Obviously, you know, we talk about running back size and prototypes and all that kind of stuff. But uh, Fournette was kind of one of those rare breed type guys that everyone was super, super excited about and just that that physical freak. So hopefully the weight being off helps him stay on the field and and brings back his explosiveness, which should inevitably help his, his health because, like you said, he's not getting hit a million times in the backfield every single game. Um, and maybe they control his workload a little bit, but again, this, this seems like a Jacksonville team that's ready to run the ball more, even with Foles, who's kind of that, that wild card, you know, deep ball guy. So we'll see how that all breaks down. Uh, let's slide to another AFC squad in the Tennessee Titans. And this team was pretty atrocious on offense last year, but with, with Mariota having the nerve damage and kind of the the nonstop injuries. It was, they were kind of bound for that, right? It, they were, they, they weren't really moving in a, in a good, good way. And with the mixture of Dion Lewis and Derrick Henry, which just kind of seemed to give everyone headaches for the longest time until Derrick Henry kind of took over at the end of the year. And, and the offense seemed to maybe chug along a little bit better, but we need Mariota to be healthy. It sounds like he's added muscle. He's added a little bit of mass and that again should help him, uh, in the other way that it helped <laughs> Leonard Fournette, it should help Mariota be a little bit more sturdy, takes a little bit more impact that way. He's one of those guys that I've always been a fan of, and he very easily could have could be the undervalued person in this offense, assuming health. Because you know Mariota again was was a top pick in the NFL draft, and and all sorts of potential coming out. He just can't stay healthy. However, on our list, Mr. Nathan Powell, I believe you have someone else listed.
1: Yes, I have the newest member of the uh, Titans offense, and that will be A.J. Brown. Uh, obviously, coming coming out, he was you know one of the high- more highly ranked players in Dynasty at wide receiver, ends up going in the second round. He had uh, 1,320 receiving yards, six touchdowns in his last season in college. In 2017, 1,252 receiving yards, 11 touchdowns. A very productive receiver at- in the SEC, as well as splitting time with DK Metcalf and uh, – What's the other name? Uh, DeMarcus Lodge as well. A number of, you know, talented players in that wide receiving uh, core in order to share. And he was the best one of the bunch. And now he enters Tennessee. And this, uh, I'll just, you know, have my uh, dynasty admission of the day. This is kind of a, a factor of we, one of our leagues every year we draft the Sunday after the NFL draft. And that means that there is no ADP at that point. It's more so you're, you're drafting, you know, the players that you think are best. There's no, oh, will this guy last till later on? If 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 you have a guy ranked third and you have the third pick, you pick him third. And so I drafted A.J. Brown 103 in a rookie draft that looking back, I, I don't regret it because I still think that he should be the 103, maybe 104 behind Miles Sanders. But it's so frustrating looking back and thinking, looking at all the you know more recent rookie drafts that have aj brown falling to 108 110 110 i'm seeing aj brown fall to the end of the first round and it's incredibly frustrating as someone who took him at 103 uh, do you think he belongs at, towards the end of the first round or do you think i was more right taking him at 103
2: i think you were closer i feel like he's probably that that just in front of mid range he's probably the 105 106 for me again the 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 landing spot i think deterred a lot of folks especially now and i i feel like 103 was still maybe a little bit high but again at the time like you said there's no adp you can't you kind of just got to roll with your guys and and like you mentioned again he was one of the top two wide receivers being looked at top three wide receivers being looked at and you kind of forced your hand there and, and now seeing him go late first, I've even seen him slide early second in some leagues, which is that's insane to me. And you get guys like uh, Michael Hardman going in, in front of him, And, and I just, I, I don't get that. You know, he was, he was drafted to a team to, I would imagine be the number two there. Obviously some people are writing off Corey Davis, like he's a dead body. Like he didn't just have 65 catches for like 900 yards last year with absolutely no one playing quarterback or when his quarterback was there. He had half of an arm. So I feel like the offense could take a huge step forward this year with some more of these guys in there. And I feel like AJ Brown should be a mid first. and, And if you're, if you're still drafting or you haven't drafted in your rookie draft and you're able to slide into 106, 107, 108 to get him, uh, I feel like that's worth it all day because he's definitely worthy of a higher pick. Uh, and I know people are starting to go crazy over the running backs and and all that fun stuff, but AJ definitely was one of the the top end wide receivers in this class, which had previously been seen as a premier class. Obviously, that that changed a little bit with time, but he's still he's still going too late. And I feel like Corey Davis, just the perception of him seems lower than it should be, even though his, maybe his ADP or his market is staying relatively consistent to where he should be. I think it kind of depends on the league. Some, some owners are, are backing off with the addition of AJ Brown. Some are unsure because of what Marcus Mariota has been doing the last couple of years with the injuries and, and whatnot. But I feel like Corey Davis is still a nice price as well maybe not undervalued, maybe, maybe properly valued, but in a lot of cases, properly valued is still kind of undervalued because you're getting in for a decent price. So uh, I do like the A.J. Brown call here.
3: at GapPackG.com.
2: Not really anybody else outside of Mariota that I'm really targeting just because I think Henry is getting to the point where he's probably overvalued again. Corey Davis is close and there's not really much else that I'm that I'm interested in. Not really anything else that's going to be fantasy relevant. We'll kind of see what happens at tight end. We'll see if Delaney passes that torch to Johnny Smith. But again, Delaney was one of those guys where that was that was kind of Mariota's that was Mariota's boy, and, and he targeted him early and often when when both were healthy. So there's definitely some potential for this offense. I feel like this is one of these in the quote-unquote bad offenses that could take a, a decent-sized leap this year, assuming the health at quarterback, and become at least a middle-of-the-road uh, offense rather than a. a legit bad one so let's move to another uh, legit bad offense who uh, again this is a team that i could see taking a big step this year we'll see how the growth of the young quarterback transpires but we are talking of course of the buffalo bills led by the uh, superstar rocket arm josh allen who have kind of turned a page on oddly enough because mostly because of the the running attributes but uh, a mess of a backfield they bring in Devin, Devin singletary obviously shady mccoy's still there bring in what frank gore or something i i, I mean there's too many bodies tj yeldon now that backfield, I, I feel like we kind of have an idea as to what the plan is for the offense just by how many running backs they continue to bring in and and kind of keep around obviously the the mo of the offense has been run the ball for the last couple of years so That may change a little bit, but again, with the amount of running backs they're bringing in, that's probably a a pretty decent avoid unless you're getting them for super cheap. My guys to go after in this offense are going to be the wide receivers. Again, it's kind of a common theme up and down, targeting those, whichever wide receiver is going to be getting the targets. And at this point, it's kind of hard to tell. Zay Jones has been pretty darn good uh, with the limited use. Even, I mean, last year was... Was not, um, I, I don't want to say anything special. He played 16 games, which I, I think I probably wouldn't have realized that, but he did have a hundred targets and that's probably a decent baseline coming through because I think they're going to want to get Josh Allen throwing the ball more. And again, he, Zay was a solid player. He's not great by any means, but he's definitely a solid wide receiver. He can do most, most things that you need him to do as an outside receiver, but the guy I'm I think I'm targeting even a little bit more aggressively is Robert Foster, who had some really big splash games, who was a former five-star recruit. And, you know, coming out of Alabama, he, he didn't get the love that most Alabama players get. Now, he only had 40 some targets last year, played in 13 games. But I mean, he was a big factor in the games that he was in. He averaged 20 yards per catch. So, as as just a, a lone deep deep ball threat, Foster and uh, Josh Allen connection is that's kind of big time. Uh, they're they're big splash plays. He's an ideal guy for me in best ball leagues because I feel like his big games are going to win you weeks, and the rest of the weeks are going to be kind of you're frustrated that you started him in normal league so uh, ideally he's my target in best ball leagues but I feel like he could kind of turn into your every week type guy maybe not a high-end type wide receiver but a nice wide receiver four five six just to have on your roster fill in for bye weeks or the potential maybe he lands and and maybe that the home run just you know it goes and uh, I, I just I feel like one of these two is bound for a really nice season. I feel like Josh Allen takes a little bit of a step forward. I'm still not fully convinced that he's the quarterback everyone wants him to be, but I feel like he's definitely serviceable. And the big arm goes a long way with explosive assets. So, uh, Nathan, I don't know if you have similar feelings to these guys. If you have someone else you're targeting, but for me, it's it's targeting, which and again, hard to know right now. But whichever wide receiver is going to be pulling a lot of the volume.
1: Yeah, I I think that I'm pretty much share your opinions, but I kind of flip between the two. I would say that Jones is more so the target, and I think that Foster is, is a nice value right now. But the reason why I don't think he's the target right now is that in the places where I have Robert Foster, I've been trying to make you know several trades with teams, you know, bigger trades that don't involve Robert Foster, and the other team is always trying to say, "Oh, we'll throw in Foster too." And I'm like, no, Foster at this point is more than just – he's more than just a throw-in piece. If you want Robert Foster to get thrown in, something else is going to be coming in on your side of the deal. Whereas Zay Jones, at this point, if it's a much bigger deal and someone says throw in Zay Jones, I don't see very many people that aren't going to say, okay, I'll throw in Zay Jones just get this deal done. So Foster is no longer in that throw-in territory. He's in the legitimate like – okay, this guy has dynasty value. This guy, you know, should be valued as like a, you know, early to mid second round pick. Whereas Zay Jones, he's a throw in, but he is a nice buy right now uh, because the uh, possible volume and just the fact that, you know, he, he, could have that year three prototypical breakout. So, uh, I I love Zay Jones as a buyer right now. I'm, I may even make some offers right now, right after we do this podcast, because he's he's a guy I haven't really been thinking about per se, and that might might be because of guys like Cole Beasley and John Brown. But I don't think that those signings uh, killed Zay Jones necessarily.
2: Definitely, and and the volume for both these guys really, honestly, should go up because, but Josh Allen was started. Uh, 11 maybe 12 games last year and I know he was throwing fewer than 30 passes in each of of those games so I feel like they'll probably start throwing the ball a little bit more it's going to kind of depend on how the games are coming down I would imagine they'll probably be playing from behind in most games uh, or at least close where they'll need to throw the ball to get some points on the board so I feel like with the offense growing and and Allen, you know, throwing the ball more, both of these guys should see a nice uptick in targets. Obviously, the running backs are basically all going to be involved in the passing game too, because most of them have that that built into what they do. Aside from Frank Gore at this point, the the sixty five year old robot who just keeps showing up and playing, so <laughs> that's always that's always a fun one. All right, so that's going to kind of wrap up our undervalued portion and. Before we hop into the overvalued players in the high-end offenses, let's talk a little bit about our sponsor, uh, MyFFPC.com. So RotoViz fans, we obviously have to talk about this on a semi-weekly basis. Our, our good friends over at the FFPC, uh, they've been doing this for a while, 10 years since FFPC filled their first Dynasty League. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you're probably a Dynasty player. So FFPC, they know what they're doing over there. and Now they're growing into one of the world's, if not the largest dynasty league commissioner with leagues as high as $5,000 to enter. So all of you high rollers out there, make sure you stop by the FFPC hop in one of those big boy leagues and, and put your money where your mouth is. They're active, they're competitive. And I think one of the legitimate coolest things about it is that not a single league has folded since they've started. That's amazing to me. The, The fact that they're able to fill those leagues if owners leave, I mean, that's, that's the most important part of your about your dynasty league is, is knowing that it's going to be there the following year. Uh, and with the consistent uh, leagues, you also have brand new ones starting up daily. Uh, they start at $77 and go and go upwards. Obviously they've got, they've got some big boy leagues in, in regular leagues as well. They start with standard, you go super flex, you have some best ball formats as well. Plus uh, you got to love the redraft formats with their best ball leagues and uh, just their normal redraft setups and they'll start at $35 all the way up to $1,250. Slow, live, whatever you need, whatever. Get your guns blazing. They've got it. They've got everything you need over at myffpc.com. So stop in, sign up, and uh, win some money. Okay, overvalued players in high-end offenses. Now, some of these players are probably going to be a little bit shocking or or maybe we missed on someone, but the perceived big boy offenses uh, in the league are, are a couple of the ones we're going to go over, and we're going to talk about some players that uh, are getting to the point where they're overvalued at this point. So let's start with the Cleveland Browns. And Hold on.
1: The Cleveland Browns? They're a whoa, good offense?
2: Whoa, whoa, whoa. High-end offense? Absolutely. <laughs> with With the gamer Baker Mayfield back there. And, you know, just kind of stockpiling assets at this point, you've got a couple or a few good running backs. You have, you've got uh, Chubb, you've got uh, Kareem Hunt, you've got Duke Johnson. And then all of a sudden they've got a pretty darn good wide receiver core. You've got Odell Beckham, you've got Jarvis Landry, you've got Antonio Calloway, even Hollywood Higgins is still in there. And he was a pretty solid ad. That's a nice depth for a team. And then you look at tight end with David Njoku, it's you can't find a hole in this offense. They they're stacked top to bottom. Obviously, we're all assuming that Baker Mayfield is going to continue to progress and get better, even after his absolutely strong rookie season. And we're also hoping that everything kind of stays glued together. We've had some, <laughs> we've had a little bit of interesting. Uh, posts about this offense and Baker Mayfield saying some things about Duke Johnson and Duke Johnson wanting to be on a team that wants to use him and this and that and the other thing. But they go out, they get Odell Beckham. Uh, I think he's the cause of my now overvalued asset in this offense, which if you've listened to this podcast the last few years, you'll know that I am uh, a resident Jarvis Landry fan club card holder and I think it's time, folks. Uh, I, I think this might be it. Jarvis Landry is my overvalued player here, and and it really, really hurts me to say because he's always had the volume. He's always done just enough with those targets to put up. Uh, you know, he's he's been able to do more than what he's been valued as, and I think we're finally at the stage, even though his price has gone down just a little bit. We're finally at the point where his volume is not going to exceed his price, and and that hurts. Now, obviously, things could change. They could use him differently, but with the way the offense is bringing in an, a true number one in Odell, and you know, really building up that running back core, I feel like I feel like it might be time. He's obviously again been volume driven for almost his entire NFL career at this point and put up some really nice stat lines outside of yards per catch, which everyone loves to harp on because they seem to think that he's just a running back playing out there, catching the ball that way. But again, however you used, you can't knock somebody for that. So the volume for me is my selling point here. Uh, it hurts me to say, but Nathan, how are you feeling about the Cleveland Browns? Are you, are you feeling the same way about Jarvis Landry? Or do you have somebody else in mind?
1: uh i agree with the jarvis landry take I, I do think that he is being overvalued at this time and for a guy he's never really been a huge touchdown scorer. basically four touchdowns every year of his career except for uh nine in, in 2017 so he hasn't been reliant on the touchdowns but i don't see where jarvis landry scores touchdowns this year i think odo beckham gets it at wide receiver david and joku gets it at tight end and then the running backs are sure to get plenty of red zone touchdowns as well so i i think that he might struggle to get to his, you know, baseline of four uh, receiving touchdowns, and wide receivers who don't score touchdowns just have a very limited ceiling and and a low floor as well. So uh, there are a number of things at play with, with Landry, and I think that if if there's an injury to one of the bigger guys, whether it's an Njoku or Beckham, then he might slide back into getting the amount of volume he needs to be a a, wire, a dynasty or you know fantasy wide receiver too, but. As currently constituted, I'm not sure that the targets are there for him.
2: Yeah, I mean, he had 150 last year, but there's no Odell. There's, you know, only, you know, partial. You know, they, they, weren't, they weren't fully in tune. The offense wasn't really going on, on you know, going firing on every cylinder. He still had Hugh Jackson for however many games, which was just an absolute train wreck, refused to use Baker Mayfield. And then once Baker got in there, things seemed to change for the better, but it only got worse for Jarvis Landry. He didn't have double-digit targets in the back half of that season once Baker took over. Yes, he still had some nice fantasy weeks, but he wasn't doing the things he was doing when Hugh was running it, and he wasn't doing any of the things that he was doing in Miami with those really big target games. Obviously, again, like you said, the, the touchdowns just never really have been there outside of the one the one crazy season where he caught 112 balls for somehow less than a thousand yards, um, which has kind of always been the knock on him is, is those, those little yards per catch, but he did have 12 yards per catch last year. So um, I, I guess we could see an improvement there. Fewer targets used a little bit differently, but it, it's just, you know, the hope he's going to be a wide receiver too. I think is just a little bit too much with maybe 120, 120- targets this season you know the wide or the running backs are going to be involved you know Dell's gonna gonna pull the majority of those targets and I I just don't see the volume where he's going to land as a wide receiver too unless he becomes more efficient with his with his targets
1: yep yep I agree there and and just a, a little preview if we were uh talking undervalued with the Browns and we, you, you did hit on Duke a little bit and I, I will say I, I do preach, do not make acquisitions slash rankings slash trades based on the possibility of future NFL transactions. But in the event Duke Johnson gets traded, he becomes a very, very attractive fantasy asset. And it looks like if you're going to book one NFL transaction to happen between now and week one, I feel like that's one of the more likely ones. Don't you agree?
2: Yeah, it's it almost seems inevitable at this point with you know all of the talk uh in cleveland. We see so much on Twitter. We see so many headlines and and you know it seems like the team has it's kind of rallied around Duke a little bit, but that that doesn't necessarily mean that he's gonna be there. So I, I do think that he he's moved uh at some point, whether it's before the season or in the first couple of weeks. But I do feel like he's still a nice buy just because he's buried on that depth chart right now. And is probably as cheap as he's going to be. So I think if you're in need of running back help, you can spend a little bit now, and you might get the points this year. Or if they don't move him, I feel like it's an absolute that he's moved next offseason. And and then you're just kind of playing with house money because if you can buy him at his prices now, he's going to be worth a whole heck of a lot more in a year's time. So I feel like he he definitely... Uh, had they had this been on the other side in the undervalued portion i feel like duke probably would have been the the name to to target but since we're in the overvalued portion jarvis feels like the uh, only suitable one so i guess if there's any message here it's sell jarvis buy duke question mark Okay, not not Jarvis
1: (laughs) for Duke. To be clear, get dark. Yeah, don't do that. (laughs) Duke plus plus for (laughs) Jarvis.
2: Yeah, do not sell Jarvis Landry for Duke Johnson. That that would go well for you. Uh, Okay, next offense. Very good offense. Uh, Offense number one last year? Question mark. The Kansas City Chiefs, led by Sir Patrick Mahomes, uh, absolutely exploded last season. Uh, obviously wide receiver who shall remain nameless. We still don't know what his, the process is with that guy, <laughs> Tyreek Hill. And that that I don't think that's going to change the offense a ton. Obviously, it takes away a premier playmaker, but you still have Travis Kelsey, you still have the running game, and you still have the arm of Patrick Mahomes, who, in my opinion, can make lesser players around him m- better. Uh, you know they still have the Sammy Watkins. Uh, obviously, you've got guys like um, Demarcus Robinson and and Chris Conley's st- No, Chris Conley's not there anymore, is he? He's he's in uh, Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Mikael Hardman comes in, and you know the running backs are kind of kind of messy. But we saw production from them, and, and it's in Andy Reid offense. So you're going to see running back production. But I feel like because there isn't a real I don't want to say they didn't, you know, they didn't pay up for Damon Williams because he did get the contract. He got the extension and, and they paid a little bit for him. They didn't pay a ton for him, but I feel like he's still kind of the overvalued guy here. Are you seeing that the same way?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it honestly is one of those things that depends on the owner that you talk to and it might be the same situation where if you talk to the Damian Williams owner, the price can be much higher than if you were to talk to the non Damian Williams owner. Oh, it's like, Oh, I'm willing to pay a mid second for Damian Williams and the Damian Williams was like, well, I want a mid first. So you're a whole round off. But yeah, I do think that he is the most overvalued of that chief's offense. Uh, James Williams, the, I believe UDFA uh, was cut. Uh, from the Chiefs uh, this past week and so then people were like oh is Darwin Thompson really going to be a threat to Damian Williams as you know the, the the way to hype up Williams and his price but I've never been the biggest Hyde fan in the world but he is a legitimate threat to to Williams uh, at the very least I think they both eat into each other they both end up being you know RB2s, or at least, you know, low-end RB2, high-end RB3, I think both of them end up up being. I I don't think that Williams is the workhorse in that backfield, uh, you know, over the course of the season. And even if he is, that offense is not the 2018 offense. Uh, You know, you got to assume Tyreek misses some time. You got to assume some regression involved in just, you know, general not being the best offense ever. So... I, I think that there's a number of ways for Damian Williams not to look to his redraft price tag. I, I honestly I think that his redraft price tag is scarier than his dynasty one. His dynasty one is still kind of okay, but he's being drafted as an RB one in redraft, which I think is very scary.
2: Yeah, that's that's definitely up there. You know, you mentioned Darwin Thompson. They still got Daryl Williams who was who was around last year and we saw a couple of random games here and there from him. But let's not forget about Carlos Hyde. Now, he may be washed, but he's there and he's he's earning that paycheck. I can't imagine he's not going to be used in some capacity. I just feel like Damien isn't the long-term answer. Now, if you're if you're a contender and you're buying for you know for a running back position or something like that, I feel like you could do you could buy a, a more established back or someone with long with more long-term value for the same price um that doesn't that doesn't mean i don't like damien williams i feel like i feel like he can produce nicely as we saw last year i just i don't see him as the long-term fit you know he's he's 27 which isn't the end of the world for running backs but that's kind of towards the end of the life expectancy outside of you know your crazy elite, like robot runners, like your Frank Gores or guys like that. So I, I feel like Damien's going to have some really big games. And depending on how the games go, you may see him subbed out. So that offense opens up a big league, throwing Travis Kelsey, throwing the whomever, Sammy Watkins, whatever. I, I feel like that's going to take away from, from Damien Williams a little bit, because if he's the guy that they're wanting to lean on for, or the inevitable player they're going to want to keep him healthy they're going to they're going to put Hyde out there they're going to put uh darwin thompson out there they're going to put Daryl williams out there before they risk the guy that they perceive as their rb1 who i still think is going to lose touches to the committee that's behind him even though i do think he is the clear-cut one there he, he's not going to get the the pure volume i feel like they're going to use everybody to try to keep everyone fresh
1: all right, let's move on to our next offense, and it's going to be the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, by the way, uh, Damian Williams was one of the main topics last week, uh, and then the other main topic last week was Daryl Henderson and the difficult to value, and we're saying that they are overvalued in the good offense, and that is Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson is currently being valued in Dynasty. Like Todd Gurley does not exist. Todd Gurley is retired. Todd Gurley will never play <laughs> another down. And we talked about – after the draft, we said that whoever the person the player has the widest range of outcomes in fantasy football as far as rookies was Daryl Henderson. but the problem is the outcomes have not happened yet, but we're already treating it like it the worst case i mean the best case scenario for Henderson has happened
2: yeah, the worst thing you can do in in fantasy football is assume and you know i'm just as scared as everybody about Todd Gurley's knee and it's it's a touchy subject and this is and this is a, a super bowl contending team so you have to assume that they want to try to keep gurley as healthy and fresh as possible but that doesn't necessarily mean that daryl henderson is going to be blowing up games and having these monsters it, it's still todd gurley's backfield let's let's get that straight again i'm scared of it It's not a super comfortable place uh, in fantasy football, for me at least. I have no idea what to do with that situation because I don't know the health of Todd's knee. It seems like they're being a little bit overprotective about it, which is probably smart when you have an elite asset that you're paying all that money to. But we don't know. And we definitely can't assume that Daryl Henderson is going to dominate any workload that that Todd Gurley may leave behind if he is injured or if they pull him because they're up by you know a big margin. You've still got Malcolm Brown, you've still got John Kelly. I feel like they're gonna have these guys all active and all spelling Todd Gurley, at least this year. Um now, Dara Henderson was an amazing running back in college. I'm not taking that away from him. I think he was, he's gonna be a very good NFL player, but I don't I don't see him taking away work from a healthy Todd Gurley even if the Rams are being protective of that leg. So I think as a community, we need to chill <laughs> a little bit on Daryl Henderson. It's gotten out of hand again. We're all scared of the knee, but let's let's cool it.
1: But let's be honest, Dan, and I know you saw this tweet as well. Uh, one of the best moments of the offseason so far was when you saw our good friend Halal draft Daryl Henderson 101. Halal, for those who don't know him, is known for some hot uh, takes. I believe he selected Dalvin Cook 101 in SFB last year, which certainly was not where his ADP was. Um, and, uh, you know, he's known for the hot takes. And 101, Daryl Henderson may have been the hottest I've seen from
2: him. Uh, well, the what was it? Amir Abdullah's second year would have been Ezekiel Elliott's rookie year. So 2016 uh yeah he was trading 101 for amir abdullah that season so <laughs> uh, halal we we all love you uh we all appreciate the heat that you spew <laughs> but we gotta throw the needles when we can so halal if you're driving this daryl henderson bus let's all calm down a little bit okay <laughs> All right, let's wrap
1: up with our last offense slash player, and it's going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers, a team that might not be in this good offense category maybe as soon as next year. Uh, It kind of just depends on the quarterback situation and and the weapons around them. But the kingpin, the big piece, the weapon that the Steelers do have right now is wide receiver one, Juju Smith-Schuster. He's being drafted as top six, top seven uh, overall pick, you know, top three or four wide receiver. People are all aboard the Juju Smith Schuster hype train, and with good reason. He has had a very, very productive first two seasons in the NFL. Actually, uh, t- Tuesday. Uh, Keenan Allen came out and said that Juju Smith-Schuster was going to struggle uh, this year because Keenan talked about how once he became more established in the NFL and everyone knew he was the number one receiver on the Chargers, that he was seeing the the double coverages or the the press coverages and how much that impacted his game. And obviously, I'm not sure how much the statistics got impacted there, but Keenan did say Juju Smith-Schuster is going to face his most difficult season in the NFL thus far.
2: Yeah, I feel like we're going to see a, a a little bit of a downtick this season, just because, like you mentioned, he's going to be mauled by defenses. He's going to be the focus, at least of the secondary. And you know, you don't have Le'Veon there anymore. You don't have Antonio Brown there anymore. And that those those items made it pretty darn easy for Juju to to be open when you've got the wide receiver one and Antonio Brown. And obviously, both of these guys coexisted pretty nicely and both put up a really big points, but that they kind of fed off of each other because you can't cover two big time wide receivers in an offense, but you can, you know, you can put a damper on one. Uh, And as good as Juju is, you know, this isn't your uh, Calvin Johnson. This isn't Julio Jones. Uh, He is a very good wide receiver. I don't think he's the like ultra elite type guy that that's just going to be able to do whatever he wants against any form of defense. Uh, I feel like he'll figure it out over time, and I feel like 2020 will be kind of a bounce back season. I'm not saying he's going to be like undraftable this year or or anything crazy like that, but he, like Keenan Allen said, he's going to struggle. He's the new number one in the offense, and and he's going to be he's going to be focused on. So I feel like the the secondary options in this offense, uh, whether it's James Washington or Dante Moncrief or the Deontay running backs, Johnson. what's that?
1: Deontay Johnson.
2: Yeah. Deontay Johnson, who, you know, profiles a little bit like Antonio Brown, obviously that's a huge leap to make, but you know, that's, that's the type of guys they're looking for those, those big value swings that, that can pay off. And and we all know how the Steelers have done in, in um, scouting wide receivers and what they've been able to do with those guys over the last 10, 12, maybe 15 years, however long it's been since that huge streak of, of amazing wide receivers started. So uh there's there's a lot of outcomes for wide receiver two and wide receiver three in that offense plus you still have James Conner, you have Jalen Samuels you have Vance McDonald at tight end there's there's other weapons that the offense may have to turn to if defenses decide they're just going to take Juju away which you can definitely scheme that way you can take away a player Uh, if you put your focus on them and say let everyone else beat us we're not going to let that guy beat us that's part of the game. So I I still think you're going to have your normal big weeks from Juju, but I feel like it's not going to be as consistent uh, as it has been with the, the uh, Antonio Brown on the other side. So I I feel like he's been a sell for a little while, just because of the crazy prices you're able to get for Juju. Um, But as we approach the season, his price hasn't moved. And to me that, that just kind of screams continue to sell. So uh, I'm not off on the player. I just the value right now. You can get a lot for a, a lot of bang for your buck on that one.
1: Yeah, and I, I will say that when you're trying to sell a higher end asset, there's two ways to go about it. There's you know g- giving a slight bump to go to a slightly higher asset, like going from like a a, a Juju to an Odell Beckham or a Juju to a Mahomes and Superflex. Or there's the selling the asset for, for lots of pieces. And I will say at this moment from the trades that I've seen on Twitter, going for the um, you know number of assets is the better move right now. And I will close out with this is obviously one trade. It's an outlier. It's not something you'll see every day. But this was one of the biggest overpays I have seen in all of my days on Twitter. And yet there's still people that are voting on the juju side. But here it is. Someone traded Amari Cooper, T.Y. Hilton, and a 2021 for Juju Smith Schuster.
2: Yikes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Amari Cooper, T.Y. Hilton in 2021. And Juju is getting twelve percent of the vote in the Twitter poll. So I assume those people think that T. Y. Hilton is like a hotel and not a wide receiver or
2: something. <laughs> <laughs> the Indianapolis Hotels. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, isn't even good. Oh, T.Y. Hilton's old and not great. Oh, and the 2021st, who cares? Yeah, okay, 12%. You can, call, <laughs> you can go somewhere else with your nonsense because that's definitely the argument that they're making. Oh, boy. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready for you to throw that in my face. That was, uh, that's, that's special, what that is. Okay, well, folks, we appreciate you coming along on this value ride of good offenses, bad offenses, and hotels. We always appreciate your ears, and as always, we we love to see you guys rating and reviewing. We love seeing that feedback. We go through, read all of it. We truly do appreciate all the love, and uh, again, a big, another big thanks last week to uh, to Mr. Birdslaw for making his way back, and to Justin for hopping in and kind of pulling double duty last week, which uh, it was awesome, really, really fun to listen to. So, Nathan, do you have any parting words for the peeps? Karooosh! Per usual. We'll see y'all next week.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.
1: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on.